Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Give Social, a show about helping you improve through inspiration. Each week, we discuss things that make your heart sing through stories, interviews, and debate. Everyday normal people do amazing things in business, charity, or through self-improvement, and we're here to celebrate them. My name's Rob. And I'm Jen. So if you're looking for authentic, down-to-earth, and practical help to build a better life, then we welcome you to the show. And just to make sure you never miss an episode or one of our bonus podcasts that we might sneak in from time to time, don't forget to subscribe through your preferred podcast provider. It's easy and more importantly, it's free. Now, let's get on with today's show. So today we're going to be talking about our own personal development journey and offer some advice based on our own experiences on how to start with your own development or self-improvement plan. Mm. We've chosen to talk about this because throughout all of our episodes, we'll be speaking to people who inspire us. And we'll be showcasing people who have followed their passion for their career to build a business outside of their usual nine to five, or those who have just been successful in making a life doing what they love. And this doesn't just happen by accident. People say you need luck and you do need luck. And I love the quote that says, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. And so today we're going to be discussing about that first part. We're going to be discussing preparation. Because I would love to sit here and write out a prescription for success. I wish someone would write it for me. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I would. (laughs) If I could write a prescription for success, I would be at least a billionaire. What we can help with is the ways that people can start to prepare for success. The way that people can start to prepare for living the life that they want to live. Mm -hmm. It's something that we'll pick up through different episodes and certainly something that we'll be asking people who come onto the show as guests all about how they prepare for what they do and also how they live their life to ensure that they're achieving everything that they want to. And as we develop the website and share more about what we do through Give Social, you'll be able to download free guides and read our articles on tricks and hacks, you know, we found useful for developing ourselves for either, you know, self-improvement or professionally in our careers. 
The inspiration for this episode came to us while writing one of our simple guides through the website. And you can read that right now. It's the one on a self-improvement checklist, Mm -hmm. uh, which offers five ways in which you can start on self-improvement today. And we'll no doubt be covering some of those through the episode as we start chatting through. But the link will be in the episode description in case you want to go and take a look at it. Or you can log on to givesocial.co.uk straight after listening to this episode and you can read the article, which I hope will help some of you. So, should we start with a question? It's always good to start with a question. Um, Who wants to ask the question, me or you? I'll ask it to you. Are you doing right now the things you want to be doing in your life? It's a good question. Are you doing, just repeat it to me again. Are you doing right now the things you want to be doing in your life? Okay. Do we, does this include money? Not necessarily. Okay. I think that's a really important point. Mm. And because I think to answer this question, you've got to put finances to one side mm. for a second. Because mm-hmm. there's no doubt now, like me, there'll be people shouting at the car stereos or into the headphones or at the TV. Car stereo, that sounds really old. Car stereo. <laughs> car stereo. Does it have a cassette player? <laughs> you can, I wonder if you can buy our show on a cassette. On a cassette. Um, yeah. So I'm sure they'll be shouting at that and saying, I'm not earning enough money. But I think what you're talking about here is purpose. Mm-hmm. Living a life that makes you happy is made up of so many things. And what I get out of bed for in the morning is purpose. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep using that word. We've used it before. Mm-hmm. The purpose for me is doing something that makes me feel like I'm giving something back to others. Mm. But at the same time, it's not just about good deeds. So it's about passion for the purpose but also improving my life and giving something to others Mm -hmm. uh, that helps them too. And if I can combine those two things, then I am living a life where I am enjoying it and making the most of it. So giving your best life, giving my best life. And also you might have a brilliant idea for a product, which you do a lot, Um, (laughs) but it might be, you know, it's an idea that nobody else has, or it could just be that passion to get out of bed each day and do a job that you enjoy. And that might be your only goal, which is absolutely perfect if that's the case. Yeah. So back to the question then, which is, am I happy doing now what I want to be doing in life? Mm -hmm. At sat here right now, I can answer yes, without a doubt. I'll get into that shortly. But one thing I'm most thankful for is that each job I'm involved with whether it be my day job or my side hustle, mm-hmm. fills me with joy. So much so that the hours I spend doing them, they really do blend into one. And there mm-hmm. are lots of them. Um, I can work all day mm-hmm. doing one thing or the other. Uh, so it doesn't feel like work. So yes, they are. There, there are good days and bad days. But if anyone ever tells you that something is perfect, than the light. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I love what I do, but actually even more so, I love the journey that I've been on in terms of my personal and professional development to get to where I am now. I mean, in a million years, I'd have never have said that I would get to a point where I would be confident enough to be sat here recording a podcast that would be broadcast to goodness knows how many people. Three. Three. <laughs> I feel better. And that, you know, people I know and respect might actually listen to it and God forbid judge me. But, you know, that's probably for another episode. But the point is, is that I'm really enjoying it and I'm really enjoying developing myself and learning along the way. But again, that's a journey. I've not always felt like that. 
This is something that, you know, you've spent time getting better at. And I think this kind of leads you back to your journey. Okay. Is that because I used to be a policeman? Yes. I think because that's a massive part of your life. Yes. It was 18 years of my life. Mm. Um, And yeah, I I love the idea of being a policeman. I was good at it, I Mm. think. (laughs) I think so. And yeah, so I think I did a good job of it. I did lots of different roles. There was always something missing for me when I was doing that job, though. And this was very personal. It wasn't the fault of the organization or policing. It was my natural tendency Mm. to challenge, to probe, Mm. to ask awkward questions. (laughs) Um, Oh, he's he's a natural at that. An absolute natural. I'm trying not to swear, but to really pee people off by always probing. Mm. Sometimes where I should just stop and like now. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you're still pretty good at that. But I think it was my curiosity. Yeah. Every now and again, when I was doing that job, I found something that really served my passion. Mm -hmm. So when I started my first charity with um, a group of people Mm. in the community, I was actually a community beat manager, a police officer in the community. Mm -hmm. And we all got together and we were asking these challenging questions of people like the police, of Mm. people like the uh, offender management unit and saying the way in which we deal with young people, is that the best way we we could do it? Mm -hmm. So rather than going on a street corner on a Friday night and telling the kids to move on, uh, taking them home to the parents, Mm. that might not be the solution because the street corner might be the only place they've got to go to. Mm. Home might not be the safe place. And home is not the, Mm. the safe place. So we started to think about how we could counteract that. And, and so we had to invest and we had to create spaces for these young people. And there are loads of people who do this around the country. And it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that was the first time I got a bit of a taste of doing something differently. Mm. And my curiosity took me on a journey then yeah. to actually taking a bit of time off from the police at first and doing mm-hmm. some extra work with the charity. And then I went back. And I was still just looking for a different way of doing things. And Mm. fortunately, that led me into a path of innovation. And when I went down that path of innovation, that was what really took hold of me. And I thought, this is where curiosity comes to live. Yeah. This is where you can look at something from a different angle in a different way Mm -hmm. and ask those really challenging questions in a safe environment with the sole intention of not breaking that thing down, but actually improving it. But sometimes, let's be honest, you have to break that thing down in order to change it. Yeah. Bringing it back to why we're here today then. So we want this episode um, to help you think about how you might start doing different things and changing things in your own life so that you can start to build your own development. So there's, there's lots of different ways you can do that. So what we've done is we've picked a few different things that we've done that have helped us either change our mindset or just broaden our horizons a little bit, or just make us think a little bit differently. And then that's then led us to making little changes. So we're going to go through a few of them. So the first one is to read a book every day. I would love it if that was true. Yeah. Or read part of a book or a page every day. We, we do try to read every day. We do. Sometimes it's children's books, <laughs> but we do. We definitely do better than we used to. It, we do. And this isn't always, and this is something I've had to learn more recently. This isn't always reading a self-improvement book. No, no. Sometimes it might be about just turning the telly off. 
<laughs> yes. And reading a newspaper. Yeah, yeah. It might be that somebody out there wants to become a journalist. Mm. So reading a newspaper every day mm. will actually really serve them well for learning the craft mm. of how those people write. And sometimes there's information out there that you don't, it's not there in your mind. I want to know about that. You come across it. So by broadening your, your, your reading material or whatever, you know, whatever form that takes. So there's a famous comedian that I, I love and he says that he doesn't do active research. He does passive research where he lets the information come to him. So he'll just sit and I'd be watching something, reading something. And then suddenly some information he talks about sharks. So yes. he's saying, suddenly I know all about sharks. And I know that if you bop them on the nose. They go away. <laughs> it's little things like that where actually I think over time I've learned loads that I wasn't expecting to learn. I think is the point there is just that you, you read something and you come across things and you explore things and discover things. And there are so many different ways in which you can read things now. Mm. So it doesn't have to be a book. Mm. It doesn't have to be a physical newspaper. I think the focus here is around the quality of what you're reading. Yes. Not necessarily how you're reading it. Yeah. I very often go on forums and ask for help. And I talk about this a lot in innovation and it's tacit knowledge sharing. Mm -hmm. Tacit knowledge sharing is this form of knowledge that's passed from one person to the next. Mm -hmm. And it isn't always written down. You don't learn about it in a classroom. Mm -hmm. You just learn from other people who have been there who've done it mm -hmm. and they know what they're doing. Yeah. So I very often go on to a blog post, an article, doesn't matter where it is. The beauty of modern technology is if you're wondering about something, you want to read about it, just ask. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Do you remember Ask Jeeves? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that feels really, really, really ancient. There will be people under the age of 35 now wondering what Ask Jeeves is. Mm. Ask Jeeves was brilliant. It was. It was the original Google, was it? it? What, I don't, I think it was there before Google. It was yes. there before Google. It was fascinating. Very interesting. For those of you who don't know, Jeeves was a butler. He was. And wasn't there a little character on the search engine on the, the little, butler. He, we, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was the, he was the little character, wasn't he? And, yes. Yeah. We and it was a bit like a directory. I seem to remember it throwing results back. Next point. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next one is about hobbies mm -hmm. and doing things that you enjoy. It works for some people. It doesn't work for others. I absolutely love golf. Mm. I have made golf part of my <laughs> lifestyle. Yes. And I make no apologies. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> The value of golf as a hobby to me teaches me so many different things. Yeah. It saved my life once, mm -hmm. particularly when I was younger. I could have taken a path one way or another. Yes. another. I chose to take up golf as a way to mm -hmm. keep myself out of getting into trouble. Yeah. And ever since then, from the age of 14, 15, it's really stuck with me. Mm. And I was absolutely rubbish at it. Mm -hmm. and the was. <laughs> the only way you get better at golf. Yeah is with patience, mm -hmm. control, yes, and time. Hence why I don't play it with you. Because my dad, also an avid golfer, first of all, was thrilled when I met my husband-to-be and he was a golfer. So that went down very well. Except I was a United fan. That, like that bit didn't go down well, no, but the golf bit was fine. Yes. But throughout my life, both 
my dad and you have encouraged me to give golf a try, but I just, I can't be doing with the level of intensity when it comes to, you know, the, the, the wind speed and throwing a piece of grass in the air to see, you know, and, oh, yes, ruins it, a good walk. <laughs> what it does for me is it serves my competitiveness because I am very competitive. Yes. And so it allows me to channel my competitiveness through one source, which is golf. Yeah. And I've been able to do that really well over the years and mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. But there's another side of that hobby for me, which is about mindfulness. Yes. I get to go out and walk around a field for four, five hours, depending on how many of us are playing, mm. and not think about what's going on at work. Yeah. And just hit a white ball around a field. Yep. And it helps me relax. Mm-hmm. There is nothing else in my life that helps me relax like golf does. No. And so for that reason, I make golf my probably only hobby mm. that I do outside of the house without my family. Yeah. Whereas you... Well, I don't really have a particular hobby in that I was always a very keen horse rider originally, but then over time, and certainly since we've had Billy, that's not something I continue to do anymore. I absolutely no. love it. And you'd know, love to carry on doing that again one day. But for me... It, that, that mindfulness bit is really interesting. I don't think it necessarily has to be a structured hobby no. a lot of the time. It can just be making sure you take out time for yourself. And whether that's going for a run or a walk or having a bath and reading a book, it's just something that you can sort of switch your brain off and just separate yourself from all of those things where your brain's going 100 miles an hour. And actually just having some time where you can just go at a different pace. And, you know, for some people, if they enjoy crafting or whatever it may be, you focus in on that thing, don't you? And that zones everything else out. So. You, you are a very creative person. Mm. You, uh, y- your creativeness comes out in things like your graphic design mm. and your communications work that you do. And that's mm. fantastic. But then you've also got a sewing machine. Yes, I do. Um, you, you like to get your sewing machine out every now and again. Yeah, yeah. But then there are... There's other hobbies mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going to be really careful how I say no, it. I know what you're going to say. You're okay. going to say cleaning. Yes. <laughs> it's true though. And thank you. This is why I was going to be, I was, I was going to tread very carefully. No, here. it's fine. I knew where you were because going. Because I, I, I wanted to remove any dispersions that people might have. Yeah. Me saying that my wife. While hobby, you're out golfing, I'm at home cleaning the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> but there are not many people. Well, there probably are lots of people, let's be honest. And Mrs. Mm. Hinge brought a whole new world to this She stuff. did. She didn't just make cleaning a hobby. She made it a full-on lifestyle mm. and has done That's fun. exactly it, actually. I, th- I don't think it's ever really been a hobby, but I think people obviously do it because they have to. But I do enjoy it. I don't hate it. And that's it. where I was getting to yeah. in the nicest way yeah. without people making assumptions that yeah. I've just been a bloke. A bloke. So yeah, so before we go down a whole cleaning route, which I could talk about for hours, we will move on. So the next thing I think you have to do is keep learning. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about reading already, but this is a different kind of learning. This is about taking yourself to the next level of whatever skill you might currently have or the skill that you think you need in order to achieve where you want to get to. Mm -hmm. And it sounds really simple, doesn't it? It sounds really simple where you you can just sit here and say, go and learn a new skill. Mm. But actually, over the last couple of years particularly, that has got so much easier for people. Mm-hmm. I had no formal qualifications whatsoever when I left college and school. 
But since then, I've developed myself because I've started to realize to get to where I wanted to get to, Mm -hmm. which is where I am now, I had to increase my formal qualification to sit along all the experience that I had over the last 20 years. Yeah. Because I had this fear of walking into a room and saying, this is what I do. And people saying, where's your certificate? Where's your certificate? (laughs) Yes. As stupid as that sounds. I know. I I kept on thinking about that. Mm. There is a brilliant, brilliant scheme that's out there. If you listen to this in the UK now, there is an absolutely fantastic scheme that if you can get on it, I would highly recommend you go and speak to your boss, your employer, whoever is responsible in your organization and say, can you tell me more about whether you are doing the apprenticeship levy in this Mm. organization? Mm. If you don't know what the apprenticeship levy is, I'll make sure we put a link to it. The apprenticeship levy is run by the government and was brought in a couple of years ago. Most people have probably heard about it, but if you haven't, it's free for you as an individual and your organization don't pay anything towards it either because they already have done when they pay their taxes. Mm -hmm. That's probably the most simple way I can explain it at this stage. But what it does is it opens you up to develop yourself within the workplace, in your work time, Mm. to find new skills or develop the skills that you've currently got. Mm -hmm. And that is the exact route that I took when I got my MBA this year. And I, for two years, did this program. I never thought I would go to university and do an MBA. No. I've done it. You have. I've got it. Very proud of you. Not in a jokey way, in an actual true. I am actually very proud of you. (laughs) But along the way, I also saw other opportunities where I could go and learn. So Mm. I went to Cranfield University and spent some time with them learning more about innovation. They are the innovation experts in terms of aerospace and things like that. So it was really good to spend time with people who are working in this innovation environment all the time. And that gave me so much motivation. But there are loads of other ways for you to learn. Mm. So before we get on to the other ways in which you can learn in your own time, you did education the traditional route, didn't you? Yeah. So I think I I went to university when you were meant to go, quote unquote, um, and I got my qualifications at that point. However, that wasn't a straight straightforward journey. I looked at what my best results were in my A-levels and actually that was languages. I did really well in French and Spanish. And so I went off to university originally and did international business with French and Spanish as part of that course. And then it was a 12 month period before I then realized, actually, I'm not sure this is really what I want to be doing. And it's one of those things that I had to quite early on, I mean, I was only 18, 19 at the time, had to step back and go, hang on, am I going to spend another four years doing this degree and come out of it and then not use it? Because I actually really don't want to work here or in this field, or am I going to stop now? I'm going to look at what my options are and then redirect myself. And that's what I did. And it's expensive doing it that way as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's through an extra, well, actually an extra two years because the course I ended up doing, which was my public relations degree, also had a work placement year in it. So I'd done my original, my first year in languages and international business, then went on to do a four-year course doing the public relations degree. So I was at university for five years, which is a really long time. Should do anything to get out of work. (laughs) I just love going to pub. (laughs) No, no, but seriously, it was actually a really big deal for me that at the time. And I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. Nobody, my parents didn't know. 
I've just made the decision. Do you mean during university, as in you, you didn't tell them? To make that decision to leave that course okay. and move on to another. I weighed up my options. I looked at what I wanted to do. I properly thought about where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And I have to say it was the best decision I ever made. Absolutely the best decision I ever made. And I just think the point of that really is just even though I did that early and I went through all of that, that was my my formal qualification plus a whole load of life experience thrown in at the same time. And the, and the majority of people who listen to this show, I imagine, aren't going to be at university. No. Um, they're probably going to be more like people who are very much like you and I, mm-hmm. who have reached a certain point in their lives where they're either really happy with what they're doing and they just want to keep moving forward. Yeah. Or they're just starting to look for new ways to improve and to develop themselves. Yeah. So this is where technology comes in again. Yes. As a fantastic way mm-hmm. and a much less expensive way yeah. to develop yourself and learn new skills. Yes. We've used it recently. We've used it quite a lot over the years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same. So we talked about reading a book before, but actually there's so many other ways in which you can absorb information or, or learn new things. And online learning is one of those areas, isn't it? We've dipped in and out of online learning for the last three or four years, particularly. Mm. Mm. But the great thing I love about online learning is that it's really piecemeal. Yeah. So you're able to go, I want to learn about this Mm -hmm. and I don't want to know everything about it. Yeah. I want to know how to do it. Yes. So I knew absolutely nothing about video editing. (laughs) I was going to say, sometimes there are just some quick things. You think, okay, here's a problem. I want to solve it or I just want to quick, I don't want to spend a year studying it. I just want to understand it a bit more. And so we've got lots of recommendations of places where you can do that. Mm -hmm. We've compiled a list of, not all of them, because there are so many out there. (laughs) Feel free to go out and look for yourself. But if you want a quick guide, we will be putting one up on the website. Yeah. And these will include some of the places that we've used. Mm -hmm. So we've used Skillshare. Yeah. You Udemy, I think they call it Udemy. Yeah. Teachable, LinkedIn Learning, yeah. which used to be Linda. Yeah. All these places that we've been to mm-hmm. just to brush up our skills in mm. one way or another. Mm. So you can by all means check that out. Now, one of the things that has helped us develop mm-hmm. and really inspired us to do more from home, not just because we were forced to originally because of COVID, <laughs> yeah. but ultimately about creating an environment at home. Yeah creating an inspirational environment. Yeah. And this is definitely your bag. So I'm going <laughs> to yeah. let you talk about this. Dynamic. Yeah. So I think, I mean, with ours, we've ended up with rather an inspirational space, but it wasn't intentional. We didn't set out to to do that as such. We moved house and we had the opportunity to do our, you know, to do, do our own thing with that space. And at that time, we hadn't really even thought about studio space or recording space. That wasn't where we were at that time with it. So we created our lounge for example and what we did was have shelves built in so we could have all of our books downstairs in the lounge so they were there they're accessible we put a really nice comfortable reading chair next to it so although it wasn't designed in a way for the recording side of things it's actually ended up being a really good platform for that now for doing our YouTube videos. You'll probably see our lounge from various angles in different videos as we go along. But the point of it was actually to be an inspirational space because we'll spend a lot of time there, you know, either on our own or together or as a family. So making our books accessible and making it something that you can just dead quickly go and grab something if you've got five minutes and you want to read something. And this is something that people have 
struggled with over the last few months, particularly mm. when COVID-19 arrived, because whereas before it was assumed that you got up in the morning, you left your house yeah. and you went to work. Yeah. And so your work environment, we all know these people. I was never one of them. I tried it, but it just never worked. Oh. These people who dress up the desks at work. Dress them up? Yeah. In with, an outfit? With photos and <laughs> Oh yeah, nice, that's, I had. Yes, I know a you photograph. Do yeah, photograph. And a coaster, a nice coaster. A nice coaster. And your own, you know, nice mug. Bunting. Some Only people, on special occasions. Oh, I know people who've got bunting on their desk. Permanent bunting. <laughs> Crafty bunting. Crafty but, bunting. But this was really important to them yes. because it, it was their inspiration. your own space, space, yeah. It was also a way of telling everybody else, do not sit here. Get off my desk. <laughs> do not touch my stuff. But now people were suddenly forced to work in the place that they live. Yes. We've been quite used to doing that mm. for quite a long time mm -hmm. because we've had business interests mm -hmm. outside of our day jobs for mm. a, a long, long time. Mm. And so when we moved to this house, we had this in our minds, didn't we? Yeah. That it wasn't just the lounge. Yeah. We needed a nice big dining table. Yes. That separated the lounge and the kitchen area so that we mm. had this family space. Just creating zones. And so when we first started doing the podcast, mm. we were actually recording downstairs. We were. In so fact, in the first episode, we talk about being at the dining room table, don't we? Yes. <laughs> and we very quickly recognised that that environment, mm. while was useful for us to sit either side of a big long desk, mm. didn't serve well for the family environment. No. And it didn't inspire us in our downtime because yeah. we were always thinking about the work we were doing. And yeah. People came around and saw boom arms and microphones <laughs> yeah. and computers. Yeah. And so we started to separate the house up much more. Yeah. So we've changed the the office, which was also a spare room, which is now no longer really a spare room. We've kind of converted that now into a recording space so we can leave other kits set up and we can not have to be, you know, taking things up, putting them down or adding any. I think it's about finding ways to not add any extra pain to what you're trying to do when actually we're really enjoying doing it and it's something we want to continue to be a joy. We don't want to start making it a burden. So we do that by creating a space that we can leave, you know, leave the kit up but actually allows us to get yourself in the zone actually as well and separate out some of all that distraction. I think you've just hit the nail on the head when you've said you don't want it to become a burden. So how do you, you, you might be listening to this and you live in a one bedroom flat mm -hmm. and you are thinking, how do I turn this space into both a inspirational living and working environment? Mm. And one of the things we loved doing, because previously, before we lived here, we were always restricted on space. And let's yeah. be honest, we still are. We're currently trying to mm. look at converting the garage just yes. so we have a little bit of extra yeah. space yeah. to do something in there. Getting that inspiration online for a, a space in which you can balance both your personal and work life. The, the invention of Ikea <laughs> is brilliant. Pinterest. Pinterest. Massive. Yeah. help. <laughs> we have so many boards. I was going to say. So we, many boards, so little time. We we <laughs> did have a lot of boards when we moved house. <laughs> we did. We ended up having to have joint boards so that we didn't start duplicating effort and we could see where one was going with an idea as well. So mm. we could, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely a good way of doing it. Now, one of the things that I do that really helps me fragment my time that I spend doing all of this work and mm. not taking away from valuable family time mm -hmm. is I've got into a habit of waking up early. Yeah. But I think the advice 
if I gave any here would be the key is waking up early yeah. and not staying up late. Yes. You cannot do both of those things. Exactly. Yeah. You def- you've have done both. Yes. And you've gone to bed at midnight and then got up at half four. Yes. Burning then, the candle at both ends. Yeah, say. that's the one. Building that habit. Yeah. Of getting a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. I am a light sleeper. Yes. Apparently some of the greatest people in history were very light sleepers and yeah. only required four or five hours sleep a night. Yes. I'm not going to name them all <laughs> because we've probably heard of them. But yes, people often say all the all the greatest, all the brightest minds. Yes, all the brightest <laughs> minds wake up early. What what I love about waking up early is if anybody out there is like us and mm-hmm. has young children. Yeah, mornings are manic. You haven't got a choice anyway. You are up early anyway. Yes, embrace it. Embrace the early morning, but also try and get up an hour before your children do. Yeah. Well, (laughs) if we'd have been doing that when Billy was young, we'd have been up at (laughs) 2am. But I am now in a habit of waking up any time between four and six. Yeah. Never really stay in bed beyond six o'clock. No. If I'm up at four or five, Mm. then I can get a good two hours work done. I find I'm much more productive. Yes. Early. Yes. I never used to be. But certainly over the past few years, if I get up and say I'm perhaps not as early as you at four o'clock, but if I'm up and I've got an hour's work out of the way, six till seven, it's so productive. Mm. And you can get so much done at mm. that time as well. Mm. So waking up early is something that I've made into a habit. It's not something you do as much as I do. No. You have done it previously. Mm-hmm. But again, we're in this relationship of work that we do of we do whatever works for each other. Mm. I mean, I definitely prefer being up earlier. But I don't get up, like I say, at four. You enjoy working at times that I don't enjoy working. Yeah. Very often you'll pull the laptop out and go, right, what are we doing? And I'll go, I just want to sit down and do nothing now. Mm. Whereas I'll wake up first thing in the morning and you'll look at me and I'll be like, nope. I'm going back to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. But this is another one that takes us on to exercise, I suppose now, isn't it? And starting your day. Yes. Yes. So we have always, and I think it's probably the biggest struggle that I've had, if I'm being dead honest is building fitness and health into my routine. Mm. I am still not there perfectly. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might see and hear a little bit as we go through the next year or so um, about how I'm trying to keep that going. And things like doing this actually inspire me to get healthier and fitter. Yes. Yeah. Because I am best when I make myself accountable to other people. Yes. Yeah, I'm the opposite. <laughs> yes. I have always tried to make myself accountable to other people. Mm-hmm. But what I've been able to do in the last couple of years, the last year in particular, mm-hmm. is start making myself accountable to me first. Yeah, absolutely. Really important that. And so with that, the focus has been very much not on how I look, but mm-hmm. on how I feel. Yes. And so I've spent much more time doing things like meditation and mindfulness but also trying to eat the right things and trying to do a bit more exercise. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've never been a fan of running. I'm not a very good runner, but I run. So we've we got into a habit, haven't we, of we go out three times a week where we can. No, not today. We didn't do it today. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it tomorrow. That's the point. However, I'm not a runner, but I run and I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I enjoy going out on my own. I enjoy having that time because for me, the whole going back to the hobby thing, running's my time for me. At the beginning of the day, it sets me up. And if I've woken up in a bad mood or I'm a bit fed up about stuff coming up that day or whatever, actually going out and having that half an hour, 40 minutes just to do 
5k or whatever it is you can do in that time. By the time I come back, even if I haven't proactively thought about it and thought about my day in detail, by the time I come back, I've sort of centered myself and I just feel a bit better. We very often do the high five at the door. (laughs) We do. So we've got a child. We'd have to try and make it work. Mm -hmm. So the first one out of bed. Yeah. We'll always go for a run if it's a running day. If it's a running day. And then the other one has about half an hour to get themselves out of bed, dressed, ready at the door Mm. to high five. And then they go on their (laughs) half an hour while the child has their breakfast. Yes. And then we start our day. In an ideal world, that's what we do quite often. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, we've been very good at that. We have. So going back to the waking up early for me to be productive... We made a mistake this morning. <laughs> we did. It's the first time this has ever happened. So Rob got up out of bed and I thought, okay, yeah, fine. He must be going for a run. Off he went downstairs. So I start trying to bring myself around. Right. Okay. I've got me half an hour. So I need to think about getting myself up and getting my running gear on and getting myself ready to do the high five at the door. Which point Billy's awake. So I'm helping him getting ready, choosing his clothes for the day. Great. Oh, it should be about time that Rob comes home. Let's head downstairs. You head downstairs. And who sat there typing away at the computer? Robert. Yes. And I said, what on earth? Have you not been for your run? And he I, went, what? I didn't go out for a run. I didn't go for a run. And I can see now <laughs> where the confusion came in. I grabbed the nearest thing not to disturb you in bed yeah. because I was up very early. Yeah. And I just stuck on a pair of shorts yeah. and a gym t-shirt. Which go, is what you go running in. And also what I work on <laughs> yes. at, at six in the morning downstairs. Yeah, yeah true. So... Yeah, I can see where the mistake came in. And then this is this is really interesting dynamic, isn't yes. it? Because we talk about inspiration and yep. motivation. Yeah. You came downstairs. Technically, re- well, not technically, actually ready to you go. You had your trainers on. I did. You had your jogging pants on. I had my headphones ready. Everything ready. You saw me at the computer desk. And then what did you do? I sat on the couch and said, oh. And then you said, are you, oh, are you going out? I'm going to feel really bad if you go out. And that, that means I then have to go. Yes. So I said, well, I'll have a coffee. <laughs> and I had a coffee. And there are days like that. Of course there are. There are always going to be days like that. Some days you're going to be really motivated. In our defence, it was raining as well. Not inspirational for a run. So, But we, we will go for a run this week. The next area, when I talk about not being very good at running, that's a weak area. This is a nice segue into your strengths and weaknesses, which is the next point we want to talk about. So it's about identifying and building those weak areas. We all have them. And actually, sometimes they are more uncomfortable to face or acknowledge. But once you do, and then you do something about it, the sense of satisfaction when you have a breakthrough or you suddenly feel more comfortable with whatever it is you weren't very good at is just so worth the effort. And I think I've had to do quite a lot of that. And I think you've brought me along actually over the the last few years in terms of my own sort of self-development and self-improvement. A lot of it has been either inspired by you because you've been doing something like that or it's been as a result of me wanting to not not just not only improve myself, but improve us and what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And, and my weakness in all of that has been probably trying to drive you too hard sometimes <laughs> and, and trying to force you to do things that you maybe didn't want to do. And also plowing ahead it took me ages to get my head around this. Mm. When I say in, in a completely non-arrogant way yeah. that I work at a pace that other people don't. Yeah. What that means is that actually accepting the way in which I work, it can be mm. quite 
appear quite manic to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just go. Yes. Just, I've got my idea. That's what I want to do. I'm not going to muck about. Yes. I'm just going to do it. And I have seen the impact that that has mm. on other people. Yeah. So for, for me, just in, on that note, because it's relevant there, is that my weakness is my confidence probably. And people always say, you come across as really confident, like as if you've got a confidence issue. Mm. But I think that's been the, the the parallel. What we're talking about there is you've had that drive and sort of, like you said before, you've sort of dragging me along, but I've needed that. Because mm. my weakness is the confidence and I wouldn't have done that myself. But the the weakness I recognise, <laughs> this is like a counselling session. I know, yeah, it's great. Isn't it? But the weakness I recognise is around how sometimes I get quite impatient with people mm. who don't keep up. So <laughs> yes. I then end up- You do doing... that when we go running together as well. Hence the, I like running on my own. <laughs> oh yeah, we never even talked about that. No, though, carry on, it's fine. Um, yeah, so, so what I find is I will often find myself doing something on my own mm. that I set off with the intention of doing with lots of other people. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> oh, it makes you sound a bit lonely, that. I know. <laughs> oh, um, like I had friends and now... So, yeah, so I, I'll start in a room and I'll say to people, right, why don't we do this? And everybody will go, that sounds amazing. Yes, let's do it, Rob. Mm. And then I'll look over my shoulder in a week <laughs> and, and everyone's gone. <laughs> But I think that's the point when at that early stage, people think, yeah, okay, over, t- over time we can do that. Well, let's take it. We'll take it right back to the beginning. We'll think about it and we'll spend time doing this that, and the other. And then you've already gone. <laughs> so, so my, so my weakness and my learning, cause this mm. is what it's about is learning. Mm. Is Somebody once said to me, you can only move as quick as the slowest moving part. Yes. And when I first heard that, it really annoyed me. <laughs> you were like, no, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. I am the fastest moving part and I'm Everyone going should to keep up. Yes. <laughs> and I've learned um, that from my weakness in that, that over time, mm. I need to be a bit more patient. Mm. So one of the things actually I think is an achievement is this podcast. Yeah. Where you and I are doing this. Oh, yeah. And I've tried to go at your pace mm-hmm. most of the time. You're yeah. looking at me so now. I, well, no, saying, I think it's because I've <laughs> you've slowed down, but I've also sped up. We've met somewhere yes. in the middle, I think, is yes. probably what you're trying to say. That's exactly what I'm trying to Not say. Not a tortoise and a hare story. No. Although, tortoise comes out better. But we're here. <laughs> but we are here. And I think that is a really good sort of segue in, into the next bit, really, which is around finding inspiration that helps you to build on those areas where you do want to learn or you do want to expand yes. your knowledge. Or even in my, It's more of a mindset thing for me, this. So for me, finding inspiration, that can either be in people, and we'll come on to that in a minute, but it can just be in quotes or little reminders to yourself when you need a little bit of a push or just a bit of motivation or something. And those things have become miles more popular. Oh yeah, yeah. The last yeah. few years, I don't know whether it's because they've got obviously technology makes them more accessible. But yeah. even when you go into the shop, yeah, all the little street signs and the things you can put on top of your mantelpiece mm. or the bookshelf. Oh yeah, full of I see ins- what you mean. Inspirational quotes. We had one in our old house, didn't we, about family rules, and they were all about how you've got to laugh more. Yeah, always say less. I love you and yes. all that sort of stuff. All that sort of stuff. It makes it sound like I don't believe in it, but I, I genuinely do. And I just, I think you can either go one way or the other and some people feel like it's a bit airy-fairy and it's a bit, but actually for me, if there's something that resonates with you, 
that's the then use thing. it. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't it doesn't matter. So for me, we've talked about and the, and and this is the the confidence thing and the the perfectionism I think that comes out of me that stops as, as in the past has stopped me doing things because I'm that worried it won't be perfect. Yes, I better not do it because oh, if it's not perfect, then it's not good enough. And uh, and I think for me, what this it's a quote from Mark Twain, and he said, "Continuous improvement is better than delayed perfection." And for me, that absolutely summed up like several years of my life where I just sat still for a while and nothing really happened. And so I like to read things like that because it gives me a sense of what's the word I'm looking for. It acknowledges and it almost authenticates, I guess is what I'm saying, how I'd felt, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the, the thing I like about quotes, and we, we use them quite a bit in this podcast and on the website, and, and yeah. we use them quite a lot in things like reports that we'll write for charity trustees or internal mm. work reports. Mm. I like using them because if you find the right one, and this is the important bit, is about finding the right quotes mm. that really do resonate with what you're about. Mm. Then they really help to frame a problem. I think, yeah, absolutely. It just clarifies it sometimes, doesn't it? And it just... Especially if it com- if the quote comes from someone who actually is proven to have solved a problem. As yeah. Well. So this leads you on to people, doesn't it really? Sort of finding inspiration in people. Yes. Yes. And I have probably a couple of people that Mm. um, inspire me. One of them, we talked about golf before. Yeah. I love the Ryder Cup. Mm -hmm. Anybody listening who is a golf fan who loves the Ryder Cup and is a European will now know that I'm going to say I love Ian Poulter (laughs) because the postman always delivers. That's what they call him. (laughs) The reason Ian Poulter inspires me has a lot to do with not his arrogance and not his crazy clothes. Mm -hmm. Although I you love been, a crazy pair of golf trousers. Although I have been known to wear a few crazy pairs <laughs> of golf pants. And, and that became a bit of a thing for me for a while. People knew me as the guy who wore crazy golf pants. But it's the ability of this golfer who, let's be honest, he doesn't lead all the golfing majors and, and no. perform at his highest level mm-hmm. when he's on his own um, week in, week out on the European or the World Tour. Yeah, He plays well enough to get into the Ryder Cup. <laughs> Yeah. And then when he gets into the Ryder Cup, he suddenly becomes... just the passion bit that we talked about before. It's there. You can see it in his eyes. This guy has a real passion for the Ryder Cup and match play golf. Mm. And he doesn't even play that well in match play golf when he's not in the Ryder Cup. I hope he's not listening. You're not doing it. But I I think he would... But but he's a brilliant individual player. He's a professional golfer who is brilliant. But there is no denying that he takes that level up when it matters. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I can relate to him. Mm. Because you'll know, living with me, Mm. that this person at the end of the microphone now, or the person who stands up and does a public speech, is probably sometimes a world apart from the person who sat downstairs watching telly and can't be arsed doing anything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I store up energy. I think, but everyone does that though. Everyone has peaks and troughs and sometimes, yes. you know, they, they're on fire for, yes. even if it could be a couple of months at a time. But I think it's about acknowledging that, isn't it? And just seizing the moment when you are having those periods of productivity and motivation. And yes, it's like Ian Poulter in the Ryder Cup. That's his, that's the motivation. That's the passion where it comes and he really does make the most of it. Yes. And, and so I can see myself. And so he does inspire me and I can see myself in him mm. uh, very often. Uh, the other one I, who really inspires me is Dan Pilotta. Yeah. So Dan Pilotta 
talks about the way in which society is geared, particularly towards making people feel guilty for the, for how they improve lives of others, but also how they want to have a high standard of living while they're doing it. Yeah, so making money out of charitable enterprise, essentially, that people feel guilty. Yes. They don't feel like they should make money out. They should be doing it because they want to help others and that should be enough. Yes. Society tells you that you, that's not an area you go into if you want to make any money. This is it. And so I first saw Dan Pilotta do a TED talk. Mm. I think it was about 2014. And I will put the link to the to the TED talk. I'll put it on the website. Yeah, yeah, I'll make def- sure I'll yeah. link to it. But he, I, I had struggled for quite a while around how do how can I do all this stuff that I want to do to help other people mm. and to kind of give more of myself to others. But how do I balance that with wanting to have a nice house and mm. a nice car and um and, and a lifestyle that I can see the only way of achieving that would be to go and work in private industry. Mm. And so Dan really, really poses these questions about, um, you know, for example, it shouldn't be a choice between helping somebody Mm. or going to work in a bank. Yeah. Because that choice predominantly is going to be based on money. Yeah. And that shouldn't be a choice. Mm. But also he talks about the bigger picture stuff as well, the strategy stuff, the stuff which I really get excited about. And when we talk about strategy, he talks about people like Amazon who went six years without making a profit. But throughout that time, the investment for that company continued Mm. because people had faith in where that was going. Now we've fast forward nearly 10 years from when Dan Paletta first did that talk. Mm. Look where Amazon is now. Now imagine you are setting up a charity or a social enterprise and you're going to say to people, I need you to invest in this, but I'm not going to help people Mm. for the first 10 years. Yeah. How many people do you think you would actually get investing in that idea? Well, exactly. And this is where I would love, and this is why we're sat here now. Yeah. What we're trying to do, and mm. we're a really, really, really small part of it, mm. is give socialists about trying to turn that perception of helping people on its head yeah. and making it that little bit more almost fashionable. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that's really important because I think people will, you know, private industry, people will commit time and effort and like you say, understanding into the fact that you need to make investment, not only in money, but in time to build something that does what it needs to do and is effective at doing it. Yet that isn't that luxury, if you will, isn't afforded to smaller, whether it be charities, whether it be just probably public sector in general, actually, I think. And this goes back to that conversation we had about doing good for others in one of the other episodes where Mm. we said, we talked about um, that word I couldn't say, which is philanthropy. Oh, well done. Good. And how we look at philanthropists Mm -hmm. as people who already have loads of money and then decide to give that back. But what about if we could turn that on its head and start giving now and then the money comes later? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so one of the things that Dan said uh, right near the end of his talk that I really liked um, was around, um, don't ask a charity about the rate of their overheads, ask about the the scale of their dreams. Yeah. And so to finish this episode, uh, the question I think I would leave people with is not to get hung up on what you've been able to do so far. Yeah, or not. Okay, yeah, or (laughs) not. But really focus on how big your dream is. And what small things can you do today to start moving towards achieving that? Yeah. And I think hopefully through this episode, we've gone through a few things that we've done. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do just to finish is list those things okay. very quickly. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about reading a book. 
or yeah. reading anything. Yeah. Uh, having a hobby and using that hobby to make sure that you've um, taken that time away from the thing that you are trying to achieve. Yeah. Taking up a course. Yes. Or just continuing to learn, continuous learning, uh, creating an inspirational space. Definitely. And then waking up early, yeah. but not staying up late. Mm-hmm. Weekly exercise. Yeah. Identifying and building your weak areas. And finally, as we've just discussed, finding some inspiration. Yeah. So I think we've pretty much covered everything we wanted to today. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed having that conversation. Yeah. I think there's been um, a lot for us in our journey that we're going through mm. and will continue to go through. Yeah. And we hope that people will keep coming on that journey with us. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's time for us to finish for today, mm-hmm. but we will be back next week with an, another episode and we can't wait for you to join us. So before then, if you haven't already, join our Facebook group, Give Social, or head on over to the website, givesocial.co.uk. And um, We've mentioned a few things today, but we've got some other special things lined up for people who subscribe and for Facebook followers. So we've got giveaways, guides, and free tips, so don't miss out. See you all next week for more Give Social. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.